You'll notice on the slide Jesus' appearances. The main verses, if you want to make sure you go back and read through that we'll be talking on today, is out of John chapter 20. And it takes us all the way to almost the end of chapter 21 of John. As you know, I'm going to be going through it's a, a series and it's going to touch on many different scriptures because I do not want you to miss out and those who are taking notes, jot down these references so that you can go back and go through it with your family. Go through it with your, just on yourself and just have, sit down and ponder on why this is important and why I'm teaching this importance of this and just the verses going right on to cha- uh, James chapter 2. And the reason is, is because I believe the kindness and the gentleness and the love of our Lord is so great that not only did he give us the during the Passover the, the, the Lord's Supper that we call communion to remember what he has done for us on the cross before he went to the cross, but he also said that he would come again. But I, I, what I love about this teaching today is that Jesus' appearances is so vital for you and I today as for the disciples at that time. So picture this. You're following, you believe, the king. The king of all kings. The lord of all lords. You have been spending time with him for three years in the ministry. Going all around from Judea, uh, from Jerusalem all the way up to the Galilean area. And you've been sitting there and you've been hearing this. And it just wasn't clicking. And all of a sudden you're sitting here. There's an arrest taking place. And then you're watching and listening of these people who at one time, at one moment, were saying, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest. He's coming on a donkey and palm branches are going everywhere. Clothes are laying down. The donkey's going down. They're going into Jerusalem. And you see the Lord flipping tables because they're just made a mockery and just a debauchery of the, the Temple Mount. And you hear him teaching and all this excitement is going on. But within a week, he's now on a cross, suffering and beyond recognizable. This is not the, he does not look anything like who we just spent the last three years following. And they all fled. Peter even denied him three times, just like Jesus said it would happen before the crow made a sound. And lives changed. Lives literally changed while they witnessed the one they were following to go through a brutal death on a cross. And then two religious leaders come out of the blue and as everyone was scattering, except for the women, some of the guys, most of them scattered, and watched him take the body off of that tree and wrap him up and put him in a tomb and close the huge stone. And that was it. In their minds, it's final. You ever been to a funeral? You ever seen a, not just the memorial part and maybe an open casket? And most of you are like, please don't open a casket, keep it closed. But have you ever gone to a grave site and you watch them lower? that casket into the ground and the dirt is thrown on top? In your minds, what are you saying? It's final. Right? Are you tracking with me? Except if you're a believer. As a believer, you sit there, yes, his or her life on this earth is final, but he knew Jesus. She knew Jesus, and I know Jesus. I know it's not final. I will see them in heaven. I had that guarantee. No question in my mind. But the disciples didn't have that, did they? They don't have that. They didn't have that assurance, even though that their Savior, Jesus Christ, said, I'm going to die and I'll be raised from the dead on the third day. It was not like he had, it was a secret. They just sometimes, you hear things that God says, but you don't make the connection. You can read the word of God and say, oh, I've read this many times. But you don't make the connection until it's real. 
until it's happening to you. Until it's a moment, all of a sudden you make, the Holy Spirit makes the connection. You go, that's what the word of God meant. Jesus said he would reappear. He didn't say how and when and any of those details, did he not? But today we're going to see Jesus' appearance and you're going to see it multiple times. And we're going to take you through the scripture so there's no question in your mind. When Jesus died on the cross, was buried for three days, and now we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, it wasn't final. It wasn't the end of the story. We see he's going to now, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God, he's going to appear to each and every single one of his followers to make sure they encourage him that I'm alive. And I love you. And then you have eternity with me. Watch what happens. Because when you take a look at the Resurrection Sunday, and as he continues, we'll see Jesus' appearances. And these are the appearances of Jesus that are in the New Testament record, and that has caused his disciples to absolutely believe who he was, and that was the Messiah, the Christ himself. It was kind of hearing about them and thinking this is it, and they were still weren't sure, but now it's final in their minds. He truly was the Messiah. He truly was the risen king. And in fact, Luke says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, he also presented himself, Jesus Christ, alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. How many days did Jesus spend on this earth after resurrecting from the dead? 40 days. This wasn't a, oh, I think I had a dream for a moment on that day of Resurrection Sunday. But 40 days he dwelt on this land before his ascension. Allowing those who needed to hear and to see as we will go through these accounts to know this is real. And brothers and sisters... When you start today and people say this Jesus thing and dieth and resurrection stuff and I don't believe it, they're just blind. They're just lost. Just know that. And you and I used to be there, remember? Until we gave our life to Jesus Christ and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God reveals and, and, and knows in our heart and our minds, no question this is real, that He's real and He's alive. God in the flesh Without a doubt, Jesus Christ appeared alive after his death, no question about it, and the record stands within the scripture. The eyewitness accounts in the Gospels of Jesus' appearances provided the Christians of that day and us today of the assurity of who Jesus Christ is. That these undeniable evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ did indeed happen with no question in their minds. None. Over two millennia since his death, followers of Jesus Christ still go to Jerusalem. Still go to Israel, go to Jerusalem, go see the empty tomb. Right next to Golgotha where he was slain. Where he took the penalty of your sin. Paid your payment for your sin. Right there. And took it to his death with you. With him. This first hand evidence of the disciples. Is a powerful argument. For the truthfulness of the resurrection of Christ. So convincing of the disciples of these Jesus' appearances, they were willing to be martyred and killed for their faith. Do you understand that? And they all did that for us. They all did that and recorded. God, by the Holy Spirit, gave us his word to show us that we could live by faith in the same resurrected Christ. 
Now, Jesus' testimony about his resurrection really started and solidified right from him. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, is the very first thing in his, Jesus' his own personal testimony that he was raised from the dead. And it's in this account of Revelation 1.18. He says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Not only has he has the keys of life, but even the keys of Hades and of death. He is in absolute, complete control. And don't let anyone else convince you of that. The risen Christ gives testimony to his own resurrection and the fact that he's alive. On the very first resurrection Sunday, Luke records in Luke 24, 39, he says, Behold, my hands and my feet, that, is, that it is I myself. Handle me, see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And I love that because Jesus made sure to his disciples and to anyone there, Jesus has, not, has never lied, cannot lie, and he's certainly not lying, no, in the testimony. But touch me, I have a bodily form. I am not just some spirit. I'm not just some higher power. Touch and feel I am real. And through these various appearances we're going to cover, keep that in mind as you understand in your own walk of faith that we follow, we serve, we love the resurrected King, the Messiah, the Christ. The first person that God revealed or Jesus revealed himself or in his appearance was with who? We see this to, uh, in multiple places. Mark chapter 16, verses 9 through 11, and John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. The very first appearance of Jesus was to a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. And it says here in the John chapter 12, verse 14 through 16 account, it says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that he, it, it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is an Aramaic meaning teacher. So we see in that account, the very first person to have the account of Jesus' resurrection, that he is alive, was Mary Magdalene. Remember her? She's the one that was demonic, filled with multiple demons, seven. And Jesus freed her from the demonic oppression in her life. That caused her to... Follow, her with, follow him with all of her heart and mind, soul, and strength. She never fled. She was always right there watching and seeing. Because when you've been forgiven much, you will love much. It says that uh, Jesus' appearance was totally unexpected to her. Her and the ladies that came that Sunday were coming to, re, to kind of finish the embalming process. And it was kind of a part of a mourning process of preparing the body and how they were going to get into that tomb. They didn't care. The, the women were like, women power, man. We're going to move that rock somehow, but we're going to do this. It's part of the mourning, mourning process for them. Not expecting it to be wide open and the angels to meet them. And then they certainly, she did not expect that Jesus himself would appear to her. She wasn't expecting that at all. But again, it illustrates, even though she was not looking for the resurrected Jesus Christ in his appearance, she, that's when Jesus showed up. 
And it's so true. I'm reminded as we go through these scriptures, so many times we get ourselves in places where we're maybe mourning of a loss of someone or we're mourning of a loss of something going on in your life and there's a difficulties and stress and there could be a health-wise, it could be emotional-wise. I don't know where you are today, but just know when you don't think Jesus is going to show up, he's going to show up. You're going to be in those scriptures and God is going to speak to your heart about something and it's going to speak to your heart and you're going to know that God just spoke to your heart about that situation and will encourage you to help you through it. Or maybe Jesus shows up through someone that you know in the fellowship and they say something that ministers to your heart that you go, that word of knowledge you just gave me, I needed to hear that. You could be entertaining a stranger in a line and happens to be an angel and God sends an angel a messenger to give you a word of encouragement at that point in time in your life. Jesus will show up. Do you believe him? Do you believe that? That's the question. Now we see the second occasion is when Mary, the mother of James and Salome and Joanna, they all came. This is Jesus' second appearance. And it says that Jesus appeared to these ladies in Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 through 10, happened after the appearance to Mary Magdalene. And it says there, and I'll read just verse 9 of Matthew 28, it says, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Do you remember that occasion? When those ladies were sitting there as Mary Magdalene went to go tell the disciples that Jesus was raised from the dead, he's alive, and these, people, these ladies were hanging around them, and the angel told them there at the tomb that Jesus was not there, that he had risen. And while they were on their way to tell the disciples what happened, we see that Jesus' appearance to them. And he says, rejoice, why are you so sad? Why are you so down? You should be rejoicing, I'm alive. I'm alive. And again, these ladies were not expecting, just like Mary Magdalene, was not expecting Jesus to show up. And they certainly weren't expecting to be able to touch the body of Jesus. And know that he's real. Jesus' third appearance we find in Luke chapter 24. And this is where Peter is the very first person mentioned in Paul's list of of witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. And it is the first of the apostles to be seeing the risen Christ at this time. And it was this private uh, um, private appearance to minister to Peter. Remember, Peter denied Jesus Three times. And since his denial, this is the very first time Jesus shows up to minister to him privately and specifically. Now, the Gospels are completely silent to the details of this. All we know in Luke chapter 24, verse 34, is that the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. That's all we see in the Gospels. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, he refers to him in his Aramaic name, Cephas. He says, Jesus appeared to Peter, or Jesus appeared to Cephas. That's all we know. Can you imagine the words that Jesus would have spoken to Peter? Now, remember, this is all happening in the morning of the Resurrection Sunday. Now we see in the accounts in the Sunday afternoon of that Sunday, the fourth appearance, and it's to two disciples on the way to the, on the, road, the Emmaus Road, remember. It's, you'll find it in Mark 16, verse 12 and 13, but Luke 24, verses 13 through 32. I'll read 13 through 16 just so you can get a flavor of it. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles 
north from Jerusalem. And as they talked together, all of these things which had happened, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were uh, restrained, so they did not know him. Go back and read that account, that full account. It is absolutely amazing. Remember, guys, the disciples were dispersing. They were going everywhere. They're getting out of town because they think the Jews and the rest of them were going to round them up and they're probably going to die just like Jesus as well. But they're getting out of town. They're going back north. And as they're traveling about seven miles going north to get out of the area, we see what happens is Jesus shows up as they're having conversations. Oh, isn't it a great reminder where two or more gather together in his name talking about him? Jesus shows up. Do you know the scripture? Here's two guys mourning the loss of the one they were following. And they were so restrained in their, uh, what they could see. All they know is some guy was present and there was some conversation. And can you imagine the conversation as Jesus was pouring out into their lives? And then all of a sudden their eyes are open and they realize, ah, this is Jesus in the flesh. Wow. It caused them from to leave that moment that, that these two disciples, these, these two men turned around and went all the way back to Jerusalem. And that's where we see the fifth appearance that Sunday evening. We see it in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 25. But it says here, these two disciples, right, from Emmaus, they're traveling seven miles back, about three hours of travel time, back down to northwest from Jerusalem. It goes back down to travel to Jerusalem. And it says, Jesus appeared to the apostles and with Thomas absent in the upper room. So a lot of them were hiding out in the upper room where they had the Last Supper with Jesus. And here they are. Jesus shows up. And these guys have come back to reveal and say, Jesus lied. We saw him. But he shows up in appearance. And this is the last of the five appearances of Jesus on this Resurrection Sunday. Is in that upper room. And in that upper room, he sees there and he talks to the ten. Remember, Judas Iscariot is dead. Thomas is not there. And it's just the ten guys that he's talking to and revealing himself there. And it's at this place, and probably in this same very upper room in the Last Supper, where we see in Luke's account and John's account in the Gospels, these two independent accounts of the same happening. Let me read it for you, and you can follow along if you'd like. In John chapter 20, verse 19 through 24, it says, Then in the same day, at evening, being the first day of the week, remember, it's still that Sunday, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Yes, the Prince of Peace is certainly is with them, are they not? It says in verse 20, And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Remember, that means the peace is still was like they were pretty strung up right now. Like, is this really happening? Because remember, in their minds, he was dead and buried. And now they don't know where his body is. They don't know what the actual real truth is happening. All that they have is an account what Mary Magdalene said, which was, we were told by an angel that Jesus was risen and alive. But did those guys really get it? No, they were hiding out up in the upper room. But we see in here his second time, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. When did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit? Right here in this account. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. 
if you, have, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Verse 24, now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. It's getting really intense now because now the core group of disciples, the apostles themselves, except for Thomas, now has seen the resurrected Jesus. That Sunday is followed. The next time we see Jesus' appearance is the following Sunday. We see that in John chapter 20 as well. And it's the eight days later he appears again and this time appears to all 11 apostles. This time Thomas is present with them. And where are they? Well, let's read it here, verses 26 through 28. And after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came to the doors being shut. Make sure you make this note here. They're in the upper room again, it appears. The door is shut. They're all in that room. Eight days later, they're in this room that's shut. And all of a sudden, what? Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. Jesus literally appeared to him by going without even having to open a door. That gives us a clue of what our new bodies will be like in the future. And the ability of what we do not have, the ability today, we'll have in our new body, resurrected bodies. I don't know about you, that excites me, does it not? Yes. And what does he say to him? He says it once again, peace to you. Shalom. Then he said to, said to Thomas, first thing he does, reach, out, reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, get out of here. No, didn't say that. That was a little New Jersey coming out of me. No, no. He says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. What went from him unbelieving to believing. He believed. He believed the words of Jesus. He literally believed him. John, but Thomas had, had to see. He, Thomas saw, but he believed. And that's why many times I always pray when someone is teetering there and says, do I really believe Jesus? Do I really want to give my life over to Jesus? Do I really want to fully surrender my life and trust Jesus with all of my heart and mind, soul, and strength? Or can I just play this religious thing and keep showing up at church once in a while and yeah, I'll read a little bit of scripture and I, got, I don't read the Bible, but I'll read my little devotional and that's enough for me because it makes me feel good. I'll listen to Christian music most sometimes, when do you make the full commitment? When do you make the full commitment of believing that Jesus is alive and he wants a personal relationship with you? When do you come to a point in your Christian walk where it's no longer a relationship through your mother, your grandmother, your mom, your dad, your spouse? When do you, your, your parents, when does it come personal and you completely surrender your life and says, regardless what anyone else does, I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. Because I believe he's alive and I believe he's coming back for me. Oh, my brothers and sisters, don't play church. It doesn't save you. Don't play religion. It doesn't save you. Only believing in the resurrected Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior will save you. And that is by faith and not by sight. And when the Spirit of God touches your heart, you must surrender all. You must. If you want that assurance of salvation. 
You can't sit there when Jesus offers you the salvation, the gift of salvation, says, would you like to be saved and have eternal life and believing in me? You cannot say, wow, why would you give me a present? I don't know why you would give me a present. Why would you do that? Because I love you. That's awkward. But I love you. And I've demonstrated that by dying on the cross for you. Yeah, 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 but I didn't ask for it. I know. Because you're blinded up to what you need. You need me. For life. Apart from me, you have no life. Many people will sit there, fine, 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 just put it on the shelf somewhere. I'll get to it later. I'll open it later. That's fine. That's very nice of you. That's sweet. See, it's that attitude and mentality that causes you to reject Jesus. That doesn't give you eternal life. It doesn't give you the assurance of eternity of being with Jesus by rejecting him. Because he's the what? The gift. We find here that these appearances really solidifies to the disciples that Jesus is real and that they believe. Now we find here in the rest of the time here is the following 32 days, a total of 40 days that Jesus is appearing to, his, to the people, to his disciples, to his apostles, to the women, to all of them. And we see that this seven, there were seven disciples on the Sea of Galilee. And we see this is the seventh appearance. The last one was the sixth appearance with all 11 disciples that included Thomas. Now they're going to see in the time frame here, they moved from Jerusalem, from that upper room, they moved up to the Sea of Galilee, they decided to go back to the old life and go fishing again. Things got really hard, very difficult in that, and they're afraid they're going to die, and there's all these things, and they, yes, they saw Jesus, but they chose what? Well, there was some instruction, tell them to go back to the Sea of Galilee until I see them again. And they're going to go back to the Sea of Galilee. They're going to go back onto the water. And this is where that seventh appearance takes place. We see it in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. It says, Jesus appeared to the seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee and performed a miracle of fish, if you remember. It's the second time he used fish and as a display of a miracle to get their attention. And here at the beginning of his ministry, now at the end of his ministry, we see this another appearance to these seven guys who have chosen to go back to the fishing here. That means they've traveled 40 miles from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee. They've traveled back up. They're there. Jesus meets them. The eighth appearance by Jesus is when they see in Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20. We see it in Mark 16 and also 1 Corinthians. But it says in Matthew 28, 16 and 17, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Ooh, you saw Jesus in the flesh and some still doubted? Yes, that is true. Jesus can reveal himself to you, no question in your mind, even today to people, and some will still doubt. They'll still doubt. But we see in this eighth occurrence where he reveals himself to the 11 disciples on, the mount, on a mountain in Galilee. He reveals, and some things were still being worked through. Why? Because they still doubted. Have you ever seen someone be raised from the dead? Hello? Have you? Now, being in the medical field, I've seen people who say, okay, I think, I'm pretty sure they're dead. Check the pulse again. The monitors are going flat, and they come back to life. You're like, whoa, did you just see that? That just happened. Like, they're now alive again. But when you say to someone, have you ever seen someone wrapped up, stuck in a tomb, door closed, and three days later he's raised from the dead? 
and you see him and touch him? Tell me that does not make your head spin a little bit right now. If that, if that, you go, come on, who's pranking me? Who's, who's videotaping me? Because this cannot be true. Because you've never experienced it before. Because you live by sight. If you don't know who your God is, you're going to question a lot of things. But when you know that God sees all things, knows all things, he's everywhere, always present, and he is in full control of everything, including every neutron and electron, atom, putting in place, Every planet and every star is in place by his hand and nothing moves without his permission. See, if you don't know these things, you will sit there and say, how could God help me out of this situation? How is he going to provide for us? He says he's going to provide for me as a child of God, but I don't see it. I don't know how the bill's going to get paid. I don't know where's the sickness. And what's... You, get, you start questioning if you don't really know who your God is. This is a risen Lord who went through walls without opening doors. And you wonder if God's going to show up. He's omnipresent. Omniscient. Omnipotent. See, you have to know who God is. And when you have, understand who God is and he's revealing to these disciples of who he is, he's just getting them to really get past that doubting the fact that he is actually alive. And they're still having the struggles here. But it didn't just stop with just the apostles. It didn't just stop with just the ladies who were following his, you know, all these disciples. But we see also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, it says, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep, meaning had died since seeing him. But at that point in time, this is got Jesus' appearance to 500 people in that area. If you had one person tell you, I saw someone. Oh, how do you know you saw him? I talked to him. I touched him. I, I, I know it was him. There's no possible way. But when people, 500 people give the testimony, no, I saw, talked, listened, saw, felt. Why is it still today people don't believe Jesus is raised from the dead? Because the Bible tells us those who choose not to believe chooses not to believe. They choose darkness. Because here's why this message is so important to you and I. You have to have absolute confidence that the Savior you have put your trust in your life, your life into His hands, your if you don't believe that he is alive and then he loves you and he wants to intercede and have a personal relationship with you, you can call yourself a Christian all you want. You can call yourself anything you want. You're, you're, like, you're like that six-year-old boy who says, I'm, I'm an astronaut. Or a, or a three and a half year old, I'm a dinosaur. You have to understand, God has given us in his word absolute evidence, infallible evidence that Jesus is alive. And so when someone tells you today that he is not alive and God is not personal, he's just some higher power, you're looking at someone who's blinded by the darkness of this world. And you must share the good news. No, 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 no. The one I serve, the one I love, the one who loves me, is alive. He's alive. Your Buddha that you serve is dead, still dead, will always be dead. 
your other religious leader, he or she is dead. Not alive. You serve a dead God. I serve the one and only true God, and that's Jesus Christ. See, if you don't have that in your head right now as a surety, you won't go share the good news with others who are lost and hurting and blind and going to hell. See, I need you to understand what they understood. They saw Jesus. I need you to believe what the scripture says. That's why, that's why the enemy in the world tries to get the word of God away from us. And that's why many churches today don't even teach the word of God. Uh, to teach the word. That's the trick of the enemy. Because if you don't read the word of God, you will not believe you can serve a living God. You'll be just like every other dead religion. It's just a social gathering. It just helps me to meet my feelings and emotional needs. It's better than going to the nightclubs now. No, 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 no. Church is not a social, a social gathering only. Yes, we get the fellowship. Yes, we get a blessing that comes from it. And we can be encouraged in this walk and be, God can use in the men and women in our lives that are filled with the Holy Spirit to minister to you in difficult times of your life. We see the next occurrence after the 500. We see the ninth occurrence. And this is to a, his half-brother James. We see that noted in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. And after that, he was seen by James. God went and ministered to his half-brother James, where we get the book of James from. We see then a next occurrence where he's to all the apostles, the same note in 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Not only did he see, uh, he was seen by James, but then by all of the, uh, the apostles. So he met James and then somewhere, they went somewhere, somehow, he saw the rest of the apostles. We see really that ninth appearance of Jesus to them. Then we see the 10th appearance. We see and noted in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. I'll read it to you. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written by the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. We know in the Old Testament it was taught that the Messiah would come. The Messiah would be killed. And the Messiah would be alive. We know in the scriptures. But they, again, even these religious leaders and all those who studied even the law of Moses and all the prophets and all the Psalms, they really didn't understand and believe by faith. Continues, verse 45, and he opened up their understanding, and that's why we need, and we come here, and we ask for the Holy Spirit to open up our understanding that we might comprehend the scriptures. And then he said to them, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from on high who is he referring to the Godhead of the Holy Spirit the father tells the son the son is now telling them you need to go to Jerusalem right there verse 49 and I'll send you the promise what was the promise I will send you a helper the Holy Spirit himself. I will send you the promise of my Father, and he will endue you. Remember, in the Old Testament, you only really see it, except for a couple of things, where the Holy Spirit comes upon a person. But after Jesus' resurrection, we see the Holy Spirit comes, what? Inside the persons and seals us for eternity. And there's that promise right there. On the 10th appearance, he makes it clear. You can even also go back and look at Acts chapter 1, verses 38, verse 3, verses through 8. And then we get to the next one. Oh, how grand this is. 
And that's the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. It's, we see it in Mark 16, verses 19 and 20. We see it in Luke chapter 24, verse 50 through 53, and Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. Let me take a couple of them. First one is Luke 24, verse 50 through 53. It says, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, I'll just take verse 9, it says, And now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him, out of their sight. Oh, go back and read those accounts. There you are, and you're sitting there on the Mount of Olives, and where Jesus will return when he comes for his second coming, he will place his feet on the same spot where he was resi- uh, uh, ascended into heaven. And if you rem- picture that, you're, you're having a conversation with him, and then Jesus starts blessing and blessing you, and you're standing there, and then you watch him ascend, and they watched him go right up and be engulfed into the cloud and disappear. And then the angels show up and say, what are you guys doing? Why are you looking up here? You got to go do what Jesus just told you to go do. You got things to do, man. You got to share the good news. You got to tell him about Jesus Christ. He's alive. And then he died on the the cross for your sins. You need to go out and do the work. He's coming back for you. Remember the things he said? He's going to go prepare a place for you. Be about the businessman. Go serve your king. But they saw the ascension of Jesus Christ right in front of them. And the last two appearances that most people don't talk about is the next time is with a man called Saul of Tarsus. We see that Jesus' ascension, he appears once again. And it was to a man named Saul of Tarsus. We call him now Paul. And it's the conversion from Saul to the apostle Paul that is recorded in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. He says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell, on to, the, fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goad. Remember, Saul of Tarsus was the Pharisee of Pharisees, the religious leader, prominence, supposedly a representative of God. And what was he doing? He was going around jailing believers of Jesus Christ. Having him killed and stoned. Thinking he was doing it in the name of God. And he was actually kicking against God. How many today constantly are kicking against God when God is trying to get their attention? Oh, I hope if you do not know Jesus today, I do hope it will not take you to be Blinded and thrown off of a horse. Thrown to the ground to get your attention that Jesus is real. I hope that's not what it takes. But if that's what it takes and brings salvation to you, let it be. What will it take to break you? What will it take to you finally commit your entire life to Jesus Christ to be fully broken? Blindness? Near-death experience? Some tragedy? Some healing? I don't know. 
But I pray that God does, because I know he sits in the scripture, tells me he knocks at the door of every single heart. The question is, he's been knocking. How, how, long, how old are you? He's been knocking at the door of your heart. You must answer if you want eternal life. You must answer. He won't force the door down. And don't press it. Don't press it to a point where he stops knocking. And he turns you over to your debased mind. Don't let it be too late. As we see this, here's a man who was a religious leader and he thought he was doing things for God. No, he was just doing it for himself. And God, out of his mercy and grace, revealed himself personally and he became Apostle Paul. Tremendous example of God's grace and mercy. The last one we see of his appearance is with another man of Apostle John. Do you remember the final appearance for him? We see it in Revelation chapter 1 verses 10 through 13 and that is when he appears to John where he is banished on the, isle, uh, on the island of uh, Padmos. It says, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice and as, a tr- as, a, as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. In the scripture, that's the last time we see where Jesus has appeared, and that is to the Apostle John to write the last words that we needed from the scripture for us this day. Jesus Christ is risen. He is alive. And he wants a personal relationship with you. The question is, do you? Do you want that personal relationship? 